It's time to take your seat in the front row with Mike Vaccaro. Here's your host, Mike Vaccaro. Hey, thank you, Chuck, and welcome, everybody. Mike Vaccaro here in the front row. As always with us, it's JR Quitman, our director, producer, creator of the show, creator of Vanderscape Media as well. Check it out. Episode number 26, we're talking basketball, we're talking football, we're talking baseball, we're talking everything because we're talking to Rusty LaRue. He was a three-sport athlete at Wake Forest, one of the best to ever do it as a quarterback, also a pitcher on the baseball field, and an outstanding shooter as well for the basketball team. He won four straight times in his career at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Incredible, incredible record there for him. He talks about all that with Wake Forest and then his pro basketball career, which included being a member of the last dance, the last Chicago Bulls championship team for Michael Jordan. He was on that team. He shares those experiences with us and also his coaching career and what he's doing now. Great episode coming your way, episode 26, and it features Rusty LaRue. Uh, Rusty, first of all, thanks for uh, taking time out of your schedule to join us here today. And uh, we're going to talk about, about a lot of different things, obviously get into your NBA career with the playoffs going on right now. And I'm, I'm sure that's kind of going through your mind a little bit, but Certainly want to dive into your Wake Forest career as well. And, uh, you know, the star athlete that you were, a three-sport athlete there. But let's go all the way back. Uh, you know, you're from Winston-Salem, born in 1973. Uh, so you stayed in the area. Tell us about what early life was like for you and, and what sports you were playing, what some of the, maybe the motivations you were and, and the coaches that you had early on in your career. Yeah, you know, I started, uh, like I said, I grew up in Kernersville and started playing uh, basketball and baseball when I was six. Um, started football when I was eight um, and, and you know, played three for a long time after that. But I was just always an active kid. Uh, you know, neighborhood had a lot of kids. You know, we played out in the yard, you know, football. We had a we had a sport court in our backyard with a, with a lights, uh, you know, nice, bright halogen lights. So I'd be out there at all hours of the night shooting and uh, had an older brother who's who's five years older than me. And so, uh, you know, as a kid, pretty much spent most of my time tagging along with him, trying to get into the pickup games and, uh, uh, you know, live up to him uh, as an athlete. And so uh, my dad was one of my first coaches, um, coached me when I was in little all the way through uh Hey, you probably told us about 12 or 13 and, and coached me and Pop Warner and all those things. So uh, I, I was blessed as a, as a kid to have a, a dad who pushed me hard, but um, but kept me active. Like I said, did, did a lot of stuff when I was younger. At some point, athletes kind of concentrated on one sport, but you really didn't have to do that for, for quite mm -hmm. some time. Did you have in your mind a sport that you thought that you were better at than the other three? Because again, you played all three at some point in high school and in your college career as well. Yeah. You know, when I was in high school, <clears throat> it was interesting because I had my, my high school basketball coach was my JV baseball coach. Um, and he always swore I'd be a pro baseball player just because, you know, I'm six, three on a good day, you know, 200 pounds soaking wet. Um, and so, uh, but I got recruited the highest for football. Uh, I started quarterback as a sophomore. We went pretty deep in the playoffs and, you know, kind of had everybody recruit me, um, coming out of high school. So, uh, you know, I don't know, I guess I, I kind of basketball probably was always my favorite uh, just because in the summer when I was in high school, after my, when I was 15, we went to the senior league world series. And then kind of after that, I chose to play AAU basketball every summer instead of, instead of doing uh, travel baseball. So um, I, I think, you know, basketball kind of always sort of won out, um, you know, when I had to choose, you know, one or the other in the summer, but I love them all. I mean, that's why I kept playing them. I really love playing them all. They all, they all bring things, different things to the table. Um, and, and as a competitor, you know, uh, I used to always tell people, I just loved, you know, why would I go run in the off season and do all the off season work if I can play and keep score and uh, not have to do all the running and stuff. So. Did you find that one sport helped you out in another sport? In addition to maybe the conditioning, were there, any aspects from, you know, say football that helped you out in basketball or basketball that helped you out in baseball? I think they all lend themselves well. I mean, they're all different. Um, baseball is such a skill game. You know, it's such a skill kind of individual game wrapped up into a team game. Uh, and I always loved the John Crook uh, thing. Somebody said one time he was a, you know, long, great 
Phillies player, he was in the dugout eating a hot dog before the game, and somebody said, Crook, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You're a pro athlete. He said, Lady, I'm a pro baseball player. I'm not a pro athlete. <laughs> you know, so you know, baseball, you can be so skilled. Basketball is kind of in between. You got to be an athlete. You can you can be just skilled. You can be an athlete and still be successful. And then, you know, football, you know, you kind of got to be a good athlete to play football, maybe set quarterback uh, position, uh, but you still got to be a heck of a skill athlete, you know, but have some physical ability to play it. Um, bas- football, the toughness always, I thought, really helped me carry over into both my sports, uh, other sports I played, um, the, the leadership. Uh, that you learn uh, in team building, you have to kind of work, working together. You have to do in basketball um, brings itself to the table as well. So I think they all lean on each other. That's why I think if you, if you ever find a guy who's a great athlete, I mean, LeBron James probably could be a great tight end too. You know what I mean? He, he He's just a phenomenal athlete. Well, again, you go to uh, Northwest Guilford high school, you graduated there in 91, you were all state in all three sports. Tell us about that recruiting process because I'm, Certainly it was different back in 1991 than it is yeah. now. Obviously, no social media and different things along those lines. What was that recruiting process like for you? Yeah, I started getting recruited the most for football. Um, I got on Street and Smith's like 50 people to watch as going coming out of my sophomore year. And so I got letters from everybody, you know, um, from Notre Dame to USC to Florida. And But I always knew I kind of – one, I, I knew I wanted to play multiple sports. Um, two, I knew I didn't really want to go that far away from home. Um, and so my junior year, we kind of graduated a lot of guys in football, you know, some of the, the heavyweights started to drop off a little bit. Um, and it kind of came down to where, um, for two, two sports, I had Richmond and Davidson were kind of primarily basketball, football second. And then I had, uh, Wake Forest was the only ACC school that recruited me for both. Um, and part of that was because, um, I started going to Wake basketball camp when I was eight years old. Uh, Jerry Wainwright, uh, recruited me. Um, and, and knew what kind of knew me well enough to know that I could play in the ACC. And then actually Virginia recruited me for both um, because Dennis Wolf, who used to be at, uh, at Wake, went to Virginia. Um, and so I think those guys had seen me in person enough and knew me well enough to know that I could play. And then Florida was my my biggest football for football only. Um, Spurrier had left Duke, would have recruited me at Duke and went down there. Um, and so I had kind of come down to those five schools when I was looking at what to do and then ended up committing to Wake at the end of my junior year, um, right at the end of my junior season to play two. Um, and I actually had Coach Greer at baseball had actually come and watched me play and told me I could play that if I wanted to, too. So um, that was kind of why I decided that late into my senior year, uh, Florida came on kind of late and said they were willing to let me play basketball. But, you know, I. I love the idea of playing football in Florida, um, but they had already signed Danny Warfel, and um, I didn't really want to go to Florida. Um, and so I, I was excited to stay home and, and, and go to Wake. Yeah, Danny Warfel, a recent guest of ours. It worked out well for him and for you as yeah, well. Absolutely. Heisman yeah, Trophy winner Danny Warfel. So did you put it out there early on in the recruiting process that, hey, I didn't want to just play one sport. I wanted to be multiple sport athlete at uh, wherever I went. I did. Yeah. I mean, pretty much when teams started recruiting me, that was one of the first questions questions I asked, you know, how do you feel about me playing multiple sports? And, you know, some people were love the idea. And, you know, I, again, I guess I was a high enough rated quarterback that, that Wake and Virginia were willing to let me do it, but Notre Dame wasn't, you know, and Florida the same because um, they want you full time. But, uh, and a lot of schools just, you know, wasn't done much. Charlie Ward was actually at Florida state. So he was really the only guy kind of doing it uh, at the time. Um, and I think it had kind of started to wane a little bit of how many guys were doing it. Um, you know, you don't have the Bo Jacksons and uh, the guys. And a lot, a lot of guys, I really kind of I kind of knew I wanted to keep doing basketball. Um, and so back then there were a lot more guys doing – you saw a lot of guys doing football and baseball. And, and either they would play football and then play baseball in the summer. I'm even uh, – I'm drawing a blank on his name, quarterback at NC State who was there with me, uh, was, was playing summer baseball. You know, you think about even um, – Patrick Mahomes was doing that. You know what I mean? So that's not as rare as guys playing football and basketball. Well, how does that work from the coaching standpoint? Obviously, you had some good coaches. You had Jim Caldwell, your football coach, Dave Odom, your basketball coach. They've got to be on the same page, right? Are, are they talking to each other during the season? Because uh, I'm sure there were at times some overlapping commitments. Yeah. The, the beautiful thing was it was being a small school like Wake, too, you know, um, it, it was helpful. Um, 
I was on football scholarship, uh, so Dave was getting me free. So there's only so much he could ask, I suppose. But uh, the the great thing was those coaches really let me, you know, when I was away from my sport, uh, they let me be away from it. I, I came, you know, I did football in the fall, all summer in the fall. Um, and then, you know, the day football ended, I, I started basketball the next day. Um, you know, I was, I'm, I'm, I got in the gym some as the season would get close. Um, but that's why it always took me a little while for football, you know, for basketball to get in basketball shape and, and, and to really, you know, grow in my role with them is, you know, because, you know, you're just, you're concentrating on football until the, the season ends. And actually my sophomore year, my freshman year, when we went to the independence bowl, um, I actually practiced basketball for two weeks and while we were off for football, um, with the team, um, just cause I wasn't really playing a whole lot in football anyway, but, but they let me go, you know, and then when basketball season went in, literally I would start the next day getting ready for spring football. Um, and because we went deep in the tournament, sometimes that was, um, a week or two away and, and I would jump right into spring football and, Pretty much summers, basketball left me alone. And uh, the one year I played baseball, um, I, I didn't really – they didn't want me to start baseball till spring football was over. So I kind of was practicing baseball the days I wasn't playing football. And then, I, I you know, by the time spring ended, I, I got to pitch in one game because there wasn't much of the season left. But, um, but yeah, so they, they, that was great. I mean, they let me have my time. And um, the, the biggest thing was football never wanted me to lose a lot of weight. You know, I came in at like buck 80 uh, my, my freshman year um, and wanted me to, they wanted me closer to 200. And, uh, you know, I ate a lot of food during, during basketball season trying to keep the weight on, let's put it that way. A lot of pizza on those uh, bus rides yeah. back home or whatever. Uh, sure. Let's talk about football a little bit more. Again, you played for, for Jim Caldwell, great coach for Wake Forest, coach in the NFL as well. And, and that first year as a freshman, as you said, you went to the Independence Bowl. So, that, that was that was big for Wake Forest, right? At the time, uh, what was it like playing for him and leading Wake Forest to a bowl game? Well, actually, my freshman year, I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't a starting quarterback. Um, you know, um, Keith West was our starter, and it was actually um, uh, Bill Dooley's last year at Wake. Okay, um, he recruited me, brought me in, and and my freshman year, you know, kind of the plan was I was going to redshirt. If I didn't redshirt football, I was going to redshirt basketball. Um, you know, um, and, and try to redshirt one because, you know, just to keep keep the eligibility. And so my uh, my freshman year, I came in and we were not very good the year before. Um, Wake had struggled. So we lost our first game. I think we beat Appalachian State and then we lost our third game. And going into our fourth game, um, we were playing at Florida State. And so uh, I had moved up into the backup quarterback spot. And so on Monday, the week we we're playing Florida State, I had not played a snap in college. They said, we're, you're going to get to play this week at Florida State. So, you know, I was, I'd was i rather them not tell me, to be honest, just just throw me in the game down there instead of have to worry about it all week. But uh, we go down there and obviously, you know, we're, we're getting throttled by Florida State at Florida State with, with Charlie Ward as the quarterback. And um, got to play the whole fourth quarter. And, um, and so that was game four of my freshman year. So then we're one and one and two uh, at that point. And we go to play at Vanderbilt my freshman year. And we go on a tear and Keith West starts playing great at quarterback. And uh, we end up winning the game at Vanderbilt. I think I, and I played, I played eight snaps at Vanderbilt. And then we go on a run and win six in a row and go to the independence bowl. And I'm the backup all year and really don't play anymore the rest of the year, other than a few token snaps. Um, and win the Independence Bowl. And back then, you lost your red shirt if you played at all after the fourth game, if you played one snap after the fourth game. And so Dooley knew it was his last year, so he wasn't trying to get me ready for the next year. And so I lost my red shirt, you know, literally on about eight or ten snaps at Vanderbilt. But but was excited when Coach Caldwell came in. You know, he came in with a lot of fanfare and uh, brought in a, a – you know, a new staff and, and, you know, uh, a heck of a guy loved, loved playing for him. You know, it was a battle my first couple of years, you know, I was always kind of battling for my job because he was a new coach who brought in his own recruits, but, um, but it all worked out in the end. Yeah. By your senior year, you were the guy, right? You broke yeah. eight NCAA records, including 55 completions in a game that you, you guys lost to, to Duke, but yeah. 55 completions. I mean, your arm must have been sore after that one. I mean, that's completions. How many did you attempt in that game? I want to say I attempted either 72 or 74 passes that game. And, um, 
you know, we were again, we were not great. Uh, and, and Coach Caldwell came in from Penn State. So our, my sophomore year, we went we were we were an IBAC team under Dooley. We were old school, you know, kind of uh, back. And then my sophomore and junior year, we tried to go to uh, the we brought in the Miami Hurricanes offensive guy from there to, uh, to be offensive coordinator. So we went I back uh, one back, you know, a lot of option routes. Uh, my sophomore year uh, was starting. We had a really talented team. We had John Leach, running back, Walt Rasby, who ended up playing in the league for a long time at tight end. And we were competitive. We were winning five of our last six games at halftime and ended up losing those games. And so we ended up like, I can't remember. I, my memory goes bad when it's bad seasons, but one in, one in 10 or two and nine or whatever the case may be. But we were competitive. I mean, we were really competitive. And then we graduated some of those talented guys in my junior year. Um, we really struggled, um, you know, uh, my running, running, running uh, the one back. We were still trying to kind of get our personnel. And then going into my senior year, we actually decided to try to go back to IBAX. Um, our, our coordinator had moved on and um, we, we were not we were we were not very good then as, as well. And so. My dad used to joke that our offensive, instead of run and shoot or, or spread, we were run, run, pass, punt was our was our offense. But um, so we got to our last three games and we just decided we got to Duke. We got down 21 to nothing in the first six minutes of the game. I mean, like we punted, uh, they scored. Uh, we we had a fumble, they scored. We punted, they scored. And it was, you know, so we went, we had been practicing the spread, no huddle. And so we just said, you know, to heck with it. We're going to go no huddle spread, and so from literally the middle of the first quarter on, it was it was you know nothing but you know option routes and dump passes and and spread the rest of the game, and we made it competitive but still lost. When did you realize that you had set a record with those fifty five completions? Yeah, right after the game, they started saying you know hey you know you you broke a record, and I was like you know I mean at the time you're like hey that's great, but you know we still we still lost another game you know, um, and 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 so. I mean, it's awesome when you get a chance to break individual records. You know, you, you love to do them. You'd like to do them when you're winning, and 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 hopefully the team's doing great. But, um, you know, for me, uh, it had been a long four years of football just with, with maybe not winning as games, many games we'd like. And I had fought for my job. And so, you know, a little a little personal vindication, to say, to say the least, maybe just to get a chance to kind of show what I could do in that type of offense. Yeah, again, this is the, the early 90s, 1992 to 1996, Maybe no, no transfer portal at that time. I mean, was transfer ever on your mind or were, were you at the mind said, hey, I'm just going to I'm going to get that job back. I'm going to keep that job. I'm going to fight for that job. Yeah, no, it was always the fight, you know, to keep the job. And, and you know, it, it didn't help that I was playing basketball at the same time and we were winning. Um, you know, it's it's always nice to basketball sort of a breath of fresh air went to the tournament every year. And so it was a good a good respite for me from from maybe the, the, the losing of football. Um, but. But no, I mean, I, I love my time at Wake, so I never thought of tra transferring. I don't think it ever even crossed my mind. Um, it's just not not something that was even in the realm of possibility. I think, um, you know, you, you go somewhere to try to make it better and to make your mark, and that's what you, you set out to do and um, and do the best you can with it. Well, as you said, basketball was a lot better for you, winning championships yeah. there, championships in 1995 and 1996 in the ACC. Uh what was it like playing for Dave Odom? Uh, again, a legendary coach at Wake Forest on the basketball side. What was it like playing for him and going from, again, football to the basketball side of things? You know, Dave's great. I think, you know, anybody who's played for, played for Dave would tell you he, he's a straight shooter and um, you kind of know where you stand with him. And uh, his, his style of coaching fit me really well. Um, was a disciplinarian and, and one of the guys who played defense and, uh, and you know, like the toughness. And I thought he was really good at putting pieces together. I think if you ever look at all our weight teams and all the teams he had, you know, we had a lot of good pieces, different types of guys who fit together. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to have, you know, Rodney Rogers and Randolph Childress and Tim Duncan uh, to go along with it. Um, but, but, you know, I, I think playing for him was, was good for me. It was always tough, you know, getting in late, coming in and, and trying to earn your spot. And, you know, I was six man, you know, kind of my junior year and got to earn a starting spot in my, my senior year. And, you know, we had talked about, like I said, red shirt. Um, and, and after my, you know, freshman football year, when, when we kind of, you know, I had kind of moved up to the backup spot, you know, we discussed it briefly, but it was kind of like, you know, 
I ended up not redshirting just because they they didn't figure that, you know, I think most people kind of figured I was going to go on to, to play pro and something else other than, than basketball. So, um, you know, we just decided not to do it. And but it was great, great experience for me and, and plays had some unbelievable teammates and uh, some some excellent teams. So. You mentioned Jerry Wainwright, assistant coach there with Dave Odom before he moved on to UNCW and successful career as a head coach at UNCW. Uh, what was he like as an assistant coach? As you said, he, he helped recruit you as well. You know, Co Coach Wainwright is one of my favorite individuals in the world, I'll tell you. Um, just got a story for everything, you know. Um, um, tough, tough guy, uh, loves tough guys. Um, again, recruited me and, 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 uh, was wouldn't have been awake without him. Um, to be honest with you, I think his his hard work. And I hated he didn't get to be with us for the run. I, I was excited for him when he got the opportunity uh, when he left. But but at the same time, he put a lot of hard work in to helping get guys there that set the foundation for the success we had after he was gone. And so uh, I'm sure he. I know he personally was excited to see what we did after he left. And great story about Coach Wainwright is. You know, we recruited me. I told you, I put on quite a few pounds when I came in as a freshman, and I was a, I was a, about two oh five. I came in at one eighty, and by basketball, when I got done with uh, football and came out for basketball, I was about two oh five. And it's hard to put on twenty five good pounds in in you know three months. So they weren't the best pounds, I would say. And uh, we we had a Christmas party, and you know, Coach Greenwright gave gifts to everybody, and his gift to me was one of those those. Uh, a thing you put in the fridge, one of those pigs. And when you open the door, it oinks at you. Um, so that was his Christmas present to me. <laughs> My freshman year for Christmas was a pig that oinked at me every time I opened the fridge. So that I, basically saying you need to lose some weight. That sounds like him. That certainly sounds yeah. like uh, Jerry Wainwright. I'm sure you yeah. have a ton of stories there. Uh, again, four tournament appearances for you guys. And, and you play with some good players. Like you said, Tim yeah. Duncan, Randolph Childress, what was it like to have those guys and, and to know that, you know, you were going to be part of, of something big there during that time? Yeah, I mean, it started my freshman year. I got to play with Rodney Rogers, you know. I mean, yeah. I think um, you know, I tell people Zion Williamson before he ever came along, right? I mean, 6'8", left-handed, can shoot, can run. Um, I, I heard he could throw baseball 95. Like I said, one of those guys that probably could have played three sports in, in college better than I could. Um, and so – playing with guys like that when you get a chance to play with those guys. And, you know, Tim obviously kind of came out of nowhere. Randolph, you know, one of the greatest scorers in ACC history. Um, you, you just get a, you know, the confidence. And, and also those guys are great teammates. You know, I mean, they they knew what they, – they, they cared about winning. It wasn't – yeah, everybody wants to have personal and, and, and be the guy, but they, they cared about winning, you know. Um, and we also had some unbelievable – uh, pieces that went along with us, you know, uh, you think of Travis Banks, six, six athlete, you know, uh, Tony Rutland, um, unbelievable player to play with Allen Iverson out of high school, uh, Ricardo Peral, six ten shooter from, from Spain. I mean, at one point we, we used to play him at the three and back then in the early nineties, a six ten guy who could shoot threes was, was really kind of unheard of, you know, um, you know, now everybody does it, but, um, so, we just had a lot of good pieces um, and it kind of all fell into place for some, for some excellent teams um, through those years. Yeah, that was definitely some of those names you mentioned, kind of the who's who's for, for Wake Forest basketball at that time, just so, some great athletes looking at that team. It seemed like, you know, Tim Duncan is that, that silent guy, Childress, the guy that's going to talk. Is that how the, those kind of, those guys worked off each other? Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, Randolph is, is, is not a shy guy. I'm sure you've seen some of his, his podcasts and, um, um, you know, but, but as a highly intelligent, knows the game player and, um, is not, you know, I'd say maybe, and he would probably tell you, he doesn't maybe takes a few plays off on defense here and there, but you know, the guy can give it to you and put, put it in any way you want it on the other end. So, uh, and Tim was quiet, you know, Tim came in and uh, Tim leads in his own way. Tim's a little bit more of a lead by example. Um, unbelievably hard worker, both those guys, um, uh, you know, Randolph came back from a knee injury. Uh, to, to get to where he was and uh, had shoulder injuries in, in college. And, you know, you don't, you don't, you're not, you don't get to be as good as those guys without being extremely hard workers. And, um, but, but yeah, the dynamic was really good. And then, you know, when Randolph graduated, uh, you know, a lot of people thought we would really struggle after he left our senior, my senior year and Tim's junior year. And, you know, guys like Tony stepped up and, and we had another, another even better run, you know, my senior year. Yeah, again, 95, 96 ACC champs. And I think one accolade or one thing that sticks out to me 
four and zero at Cameron Indoor Stadium against Duke. Absolutely, you want, you're one of four players, right? Tim Duncan, your your teammate, and then two North Carolina guys, Tyler Hansborough and, and Danny Green. I mean, that's that's impressive, right there. It is, you know. We again, we were we were blessed to to, to go in and win. I think my freshman year, Rodney had like thirty five, um, uh, had an unbelievable cup dunk going baseline, but um, just some unbelievable games. You know, I lost one time to do, you know, in four years, and so, um, you know, that's. I, I certainly make sure I put that out on Twitter and, and remind all the Duke fans every time Wake plays it plays at Duke, uh, and and the Duke fans, but. Uh, but yeah, it was it was that's an unbelievable atmosphere um, to play. Anytime you come out of there, uh, I lost more times at Clemson uh, than I did at Duke, which is unbelievable. Uh, but but we just uh, for some reason you know we're blessed during those times to to pull those out. And uh, you know my senior year, I really felt like we we had a chance to win a national championship. You know I thought we did our junior year too. Um, you know we we ran into uh, we just kind of had an off night against Oklahoma State um, in the Sweet Sixteen and. Um, Probably would have made the Final Four if we get by them. And my my senior year, obviously Tony blows his knee out in the in the conference championship game of the ACC tournament. And then you know we get a two seed in the same bracket with Kentucky, which I thought was a bad seed. I thought we 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 could have been a two seed, but in another bracket other than with them. I think if we don't play them in the in the lead eight, we make the Final Four. So um, you know, just just again blessed to play in some great arenas, and 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 certainly blessed to come out of Cameron four and and you mentioned the, the atmosphere there. Best atmosphere as, as an opposing player at Cameron during the days? Yeah, it's it's a pretty amazing. Just the size, you know, it's just so different than a lot of places. You know, you go into, uh, you know, playing in some of the other places is pretty amazing too. Um, Carolina's obviously great, you know, their fan base and, um, you know, got to play in, in, in some great arenas on the road, um, you know, in the tournament. But just Duke, you know, the size and this history and, the quality of the teams you play, yeah, it's it's one of a kind. And Other than Wake, the Joel's pretty good too. Now I will say, yeah. Joel in his day when Tie Dye Nation was rocking, and uh, we have a pretty good pretty good spot as well. Well, I asked you Rhodes, so so yeah, Rhodes. Ro- I will say it's fair. Yeah, we'll mention the Joel there as well. Uh, you mentioned that you know your junior year, 94, 95, That's when you played all three sports. You played mm-hmm. uh, what back baseball. Three inning, two hit relief against Furman. So you were the first and just a second player ever in the ACC to play all three sports in one year. Was that a goal of yours? Did you know that going into that appearance uh, on the baseball diamond? Yeah. Um, like I said, Coach Greer had come watch me play in high school and and, and kind of said, hey, you know, we, we would we would love to, you know, if you if you want, you know, and I had been, you know, I got scouted out of high school and but I was a I was a upper 80s thrower in high school. I was really more of a movement location pitcher and hit like four four twenty five my senior year and and so it was kind of a utility guy in the field and I wanted to play my sophomore year. Um, but my sophomore year, I broke my wrist. Um, I played the whole basketball season, my sophomore year with a broken shooting wrist and didn't know it. Um, and so had to have some surgery. I played and went through spring football and then had to have a screw put in my, my, my right wrist. So I, I didn't play baseball my, my, after my sophomore year and decided my junior year and partly too, because I wanted to keep that door open professionally. Um, you know, I, I, again, we had struggled a little with 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 football and, and being competitive and basketball. I, my my sophomore year, my junior year, I was a six man, but I, I don't know. I averaged like I don't know six points a game or something like that. So you know, obviously the the NBA scouts weren't 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 touting me as the next next big guy. So uh, I played partly just to you know to, to to keep my name out there with the scouts and 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 to kind of keep that door open. Yeah, again, just a second in ACC history, the first since 1952 to do that. Play all three sports in the same year. During that time, you're also all academic. You're Wake's Male Scholar Athlete of the Year back in 1996, Arnold Palmer Award winner as a senior as well. How'd you do that? How'd you balance sports and academics? I mean, one sport is tough enough, but going from season to season and then still be able to do what you need to do in the classroom, how'd you do it at the time? I mean, obviously time management, time management is very important. Uh, I wasn't a partier in, 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 in college, you know. I mean, I, I, I had to start dating my now wife when I was a freshman in, in high school. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think you just have to have your priorities straight. And I think luckily for me, like I said, I, I didn't – teams left me alone. I wasn't having to do like all-season football and basketball at the same time or, or all-season basketball and football. So, you know, I was really like a – I would say I was like a one sport athlete, but just always in season. 
Um, and so you just have to stay on it. Uh, Wake's got unbelievable academic resources and support. Um, <clears throat> I was not a real avid reader uh, and still am. I'm not. So I was a computer science major and math minor. Um, so luckily didn't have a ton of huge, uh, a lot of reading, you know, doing a lot of reading class and stuff like that. But I had a lot of projects, which is great as, as, as a multi-sport guy. I spent a lot of late nights in the computer lab getting projects done and um, just, again, staying on top of it and uh, spending my time wisely and, and um, you know, making sure um, doing the daily stuff you got to do to be successful. It's just like it's just like an athlete. You know, I, I used to when I speak to kids all the time, I say, hey, I mean, you know, I look to school like a sport. You know, man, you don't put time in every day. You do your homework every day. You do what you're supposed to do. And it, and it adds up if you try to try to cheat the game and cheat class and not do what you're supposed to do. It catches up to you. Um, but if you'll stay on top of it and do what you're supposed to do, you know, good things will happen. Yeah. Good message there. And you, you might be the smartest guest we've had so far in our uh, podcast here. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, you're also inducted 2008 into the Wake Forest Sports Hall of Fame. I mean, that's got to be for you high watermark to see all that you did there at, athletically and to get that honor. What was that like when you were told that you were going to be in the Hall of Fame? I mean, lifelong dream come true. I mean, anytime you make any Hall of Fame, whether it's the, you know, high school Hall of Fame or, or, or what? It, it's it's a big deal. Like I, said, I started going to weight camp when I was eight years old, when Carl Tacey was the coach, and I remember it was a big day in my house when I was twelve years old, and I came to, came home from camp, and I was taller than Muggsy Bogues, um, <laughs> you know. Um, and so, just a big deal for me. You know, I, my wife picks on me because I broke down, started crying during my Hall of Fame speech, and I said, "Hey, I said, you know, it's like my dad always said, if, when I, when I cried after we lost, he goes, it means it means something to you, right? It means you're you get emotional about it because it means something. So, just." You know, when, when something like that comes along, you just feel good about it because you put all the work in and you think about all the people that helped you along the way, your parents, your 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 wife, your 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 brother who you grew up, you know, wanting to be uh, like him. And it just it, it's a great film. As you said, your brother was older than you kind of drove you and, and, and kind of helped mm -hmm. you become the the athlete that you were at the time. They're certainly at, at Wake Forest. So, again, you, you had different avenues you can go to. You decided to go basketball. You felt like that was the best way professionally. Um, you know, obviously it worked out for you, but but what were you thinking at that point in, in 1996? And, unfortunately, you go undrafted in the NBA. So then yeah. what are you thinking at, at that point once you're undrafted? So I've never been drafted in a professional draft other than second to last in the CBA expansion draft, one ahead of Chris Collins. So that's the only time I've ever been drafted. Uh, but so you know, again, you're, beating, you're getting you're beating Duke again, right? Yeah, absolutely. It, it is. It is. I will take it. You know what I'm saying? So um, but my senior year again, because we went to the Elite Eight in, in basketball, I didn't get to didn't go to didn't go to any football combine. Um, uh, you know, I kind of thought I didn't have any I average 10 a game. Um, didn't, didn't, wasn't even remotely on the draft board for, for NBA, uh, had some baseball teams talking to me, but you know, baseball minor leagues, I wasn't going to be a high draft pick. Again, I was throwing low nineties. They weren't sure if I was going to be a utility fielder or a pitcher. Um, so it was going to be minor leagues making, you know, pocket money, uh, fighting it out with that. Um, and in baseball, there's not a lot of places to play. You know, you're playing in the U S for the NBA major league or back then, maybe the, and you're kicking around the minor leagues, right? With football, I had four teams talking to me. I was talking to the Bengals, the Saints, the 49ers, and the Panthers. And and the the, the Bengals um, and, the, and the 49ers came in and watched me throw. And I really thought I was going to get invited to camp with the Panthers. They were saying, hey, you know, we, we may draft you. We might invite you to camp as the third quarterback. Um, or fourth quarterback, I believe it was, to compete for that that quarterback spot. And so I kind of was waiting on that. Draft day came and went, never got my name called. Um, and then, you know, di I didn't get an agent for either sport um, just because um, I didn't feel like an agent was going to help me um, really in either one, which is probably a mistake in terms of football. But um, I really thought the Panthers, I was going to get a chance to try out. And I've always thought, you know, if I get a chance to try out, I'll, I'll make the team, you know, if I get a chance to try out. So, Draft day came and went. A couple of days later, called the Panthers and they said, "You know, we decided to bring Kelly Stouffer in as our as our our other guy, so we're not going to bring him to camp." So at that point, my option, I said, "You know, I had our had already uh, worked on uh, looked at some basketball agents. I signed with Jack Marin, who unfortunately was a Duke guy, but he was a good guy um, as my agent, and he got me invited to Portsmouth Invitational. Um, and so I went. I got I got to go to Portsmouth 
Um, and I had been, um, been, you know, Clarence Gaines was the scout for the Bulls at the time with, um, um, with Clarence Big House Gaines' son. Yeah, and so yeah. he had, you know, based out of Winston, so he'd seen me play a lot. And I went to Portsmouth and played played great at Portsmouth and played really well. I had a really good Portsmouth team. Listen to my Portsmouth team. Derek, um, oh, left-hander, uh, played point guard for the Lakers. I'm drawing a blank on his last name. Um, you know him. I'll think of it in a second. Mark Pope um, was was on my team. Um I'll think of Derek's name, but he played a long time for the – he was on the championship teams. with Derek Fisher. Derek, Derek Fisher. Fisher. Yes, yes. Uh, so, Jay, Derek Fisher, Fisher Mark Pope. Um, we had three guys at Portsmouth who ended up having a long NBA – mine wasn't yeah. long. They had long NBA careers, and I had a cup of coffee in the league. So, I got invited to Houston Rockets camp um, after they saw me. That was the one year that the, um, the, the, the they tested the shorter NBA three-point line. And so I got invited to summer league with the Houston Rockets. Um, and so ended up, I said, you know what, this is my opportunity. And so I went to summer league with Houston Rockets and I played great with them in summer league. That was the year they signed Matt Maloney. Um, so I ended up not getting signed by them, but I, I shot like 64% from three over the course of summer, summer league and got invited to camp with the bulls out of my rookie year. And so I kind of never looked back. Well, you had some other stops though along the way to, to yeah. Chicago as well. Carolina Cardinals, you went to Paris, mm-hmm. uh, Connecticut in the CBA, you went mm-hmm. to Idaho. Uh, I mean, you're talking about baseball with minor league baseball. I mean, you were bounced around a little bit and went to some yeah. different places. You know, were there ever times that you were, were going to give up on that opportunity or, or, or were you still, hey, I'm, I'm going to chase it for as long as I can here? Yeah, you know, I my, so my, when I came out, when I went to summer league, my, my rookie year, I went to summer league with Houston, played great, got invited to camp with the, with, uh, and I had done the Carolina Cardinals in the summer league. Again, I was like, you know, why not play? I'm going to play. I'm going to make a little money. I'm going to stay in shape. Right. I had already, I had been married for almost two years. I got married after my sophomore year, uh, a year and a half later, my son Riley was born. So I was married with a kid, uh, you know, that summer. And so when I went to camp with the bulls, I, I flew into Chicago um, got it, got there. And I got a call from PSG in Paris and said, Hey, we got, we, we got Sedell three is injured. And J.R. Reed was the other player in American on the team. We need a player to fill in for a month. They offered me 15 grand for a month. And the bulls were like, you're not going to make our team, right? We invited you up to take a look at you. You need to go make the money. So I flew from flew, left there and flew to Chicago from Chicago to Paris. And I did a month there in Paris as a fill in. And then when that contract was up, he was back, um, you know, had my wife and nine month old at the time over there. I got some other job offers in, in Europe, you know, making seven, eight grand a month, but I was ready to come home, man. You know, if you've never been overseas, I was living in a hotel, uh, you know, with, with two English channels, the CNN and the cartoon network. And I've seen every episode of Scooby-Doo you can imagine at this point. Um, and so I was ready to come home. So I came home and without any prospects of a, of, of a job. And so for the month of November, you know, all the CBA teams were full. November, December, I was I was working with a friend of mine who runs a, a financial firm, and I was working out. I was getting up every morning at six a.m. working out, working out again in the evening, waiting for a call. And Christmas kind of came and went, and I hadn't got a call yet. And so I went down to I I called Clarence Gaines with the Chicago Bulls and said, "Hey, man, I think I'm done. I I got a you know I got a wife and kid. I gotta I gotta go get a job, right?" And so I went down to uh, interview with Anderson Consulting on a Friday night uh, in, in Charlotte, um, got offered a job, making great money, you know, 45, 50 K a year. Um, and, and started looking, went and looked at apartments with my wife <clears throat> and then had a, had tickets to the Hornets game that night. Charlie Ward had got me, went and watched the Hornets play. And then on the way home, pre-cell phone, I told my wife, we had stopped and get gas. I said, I'm gonna call them, check messages, you know, don't know why, I, you know, just see if I had gotten a call. And I had gotten a call from the Connecticut Pride and, and was looking for a combo guard um, assistant coach was Pat Knight, Bob Knight's son. Um, and so I called him back and said, what time are you only on a plane in the morning? And uh, flew up there and uh, went to Connecticut, finished the, that half of the year with the, in the CBA with Connecticut Pride and played well enough to get invited back to summer league with the Bulls the next summer. And um, went to summer league with the Bulls and played great. Um, thought I had a chance to make the team. And got cut the last day of camp, two hours before the flight left for the for the first game. And so, you know, you talk about 
you know, a journeyman, you know, I've kind of been there, done that, you know, and uh, um, kind of how that came about, you know, people, you know, I mentioned not getting, ever get drafted. You know, I got cut from every NBA team I ever played for the first time I got there. Um, when I was with the Bulls, you know, obviously that was Jordan's the last dance crew. And, um, you know, you're just a fly on the wall and you're just trying to, trying to hang on and, and find a way to make it. And, and Steve had been, Kerr had been banged up a little bit. And so when they cut me, um, about two hours before the flight left for the first game, they said, Hey, you know, if anything happens, we're going to give you a call up, you know? So, you know, that was when I got drafted second to last by Idaho in the, in the, in the, in the expansion draft. And so I got on a plane the next day and flew out to Idaho, um, and flew my wife and son out there and, uh, had kind of got, went through training camp with them. And, um, so, you know, we loved Idaho. I was playing for the Stampede. I was playing for, uh, Russ Bergman, um, really good coach there. And, uh, we had, a, we had a, we had a good team and, uh, going into the first game. So my dad calls me, um, about the day before our first game out there says, Hey, did you see the bulls game last night? I was like, no, dad, I, I don't, you know, I don't have the NBA package out in Idaho. You know, he's like, well, Steve Kerr went down hard last night. You know, he, he, he may be hurt. And so, you know, my dad's watching every bulls game waiting for somebody to get hurt, hoping I get called up, I'm sure. Um, and so, he, sure enough, I get a call later that day from Jerry Krause who says, hey, Steve's got an MRI in the morning, and if, if he can't go, we're going to call you up. Again, pre-cell phone days. Uh, I, by one or two in the afternoon, I hadn't got a phone call, and I got a game that night, opening game of the Idaho Stampede season. And uh, I go uh, tell my wife, I'm like, do not leave the house without taking the phone call. If he doesn't call, just stay home. Don't come to the game, right? Don't Don't miss the call. And so – go to the game and I'm warming up as I'm warming up. My wife walks in and kind of gives me the thumbs up that I'm getting called up. And, uh, um, I'm a competitive guy, so I don't sit out of games and, but I really thought about not playing cause I didn't want to get hurt, but I still played. Uh, I actually hit the first basket in Idaho stampede history, which was a three pointer, uh, and scored 12 points and then got on a plane the, the next day and, and headed to Chicago. That's incredible. I mean, that's just gotta be a roller coaster of emotions yeah. for you during that time. So then you're, you're, you're with the bulls, you're with them, the last answers you mentioned, the documentary that they did. Did you know at the time that they were kind of filming this and doing a documentary? Did you know that it was, you know, Jordan's last last go around there? I mean, I knew it was his last go around because they had shirts printed and they gave us and said the last last dance on them. So I kind of you kind of knew it was uh, the end. I mean, you held out hope that something might happen, but um, you know, you 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 kind of knew it was, and um, you know. I, I tell people all the time. I mean, when you're in it, you don't, you don't, you don't realize it, I guess. And, you know, and I'm a rookie and, 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 and I'm just, you know, fighting to try to, you're a competitor and you're just trying to fit in and do your thing, man. And you're just trying to do everything you can to try to earn minutes and, and be a, be a part of get in there any way you can and make a name for yourself. And, um, you know, that, that, that was a great group to be with though. You know, I, I remember the first meal we went out and, and we went right on a road trip. You know, I, 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 we were on a West coast road trip um, right away um, when I got called up. And so, um, you know, my, I remember being on the road in the first team meal and we sat down and I've gone out, you know, Steve Kerr and Judd Bushler and, and, and that group of guys. And we sat down and the, and the, and the, the, the bill came and they put it in front of me and I was like, <laughs> Oh my, you know, and I didn't even blink. I just said, you know what? All right, this is what rookies got to do. They got to pay for the food, then I pay for the food. And then they stopped me like, no, 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 you don't have to pay. And I never paid for another meal the rest of the year. And uh, I, I joke with people that, um, you know, my job was to get the bags from the bus to the plane. And if anybody wanted alcohol on the plane, I was supposed to get it. And, you know, if I was going to do that, I was going to be the best one they had because, you know, I was going to earn my paycheck. Well, I mean, you were around some of the greats, obviously Michael Jordan, but Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, you mentioned, you know, Steve Kerr there as well. And, and then eventually you went on to coaching, what, you know, and so obviously Phil Jackson's your coach. Mm -hmm. Was that a time of, of learning from you or for you, you know, from that standpoint, knowing that maybe coaching was going to be in my future? Yeah. You know, I didn't know if I'd be a coach, you know, I always wasn't sure I wanted to be a coach because I, I knew how hard it was and I knew, you know, as a player, you kind of got to take the next best opportunity that comes along. And and I kind of felt like when I got done playing, I might not want to keep doing that. And coaches have to do that. Um, but I, it was always a potential. And so I think the thing you learn, I mean, I played for some unbelievable coaches. I mean, you know, Jim Caldwell, great guy, you know, uh, 
we talked about Dave at Wake and, um, you know, Cherry Sloan later in my career. And Phil obviously is, you know, a master at bringing people together and, and getting buy-in from all different types of egos and people to, to and he's he may a smart basketball guy too. You know, you don't do what he does without with just being some kind of, you know, guru of, of people, but um, you learn a lot, you know, you, you, you learn things, you see how people get treated and you learn a lot as a professional. And the thing I probably take from that time is, you know, that team getting to play with those guys. And you talked about some of the names, you learn how to be a pro, you know, those guys were pros. You learn, you learn what it takes uh, to be a pro and, and what it's like to be a professional. I mean, we never had two a days in practice. I mean, I used to get, we used to get home in practice and, and I would come back to the gym about every night, uh, to work out just because I felt like man, I got to be doing more, you know, because that was such a veteran team. Camp was just to get those guys in shape. I mean, it was, you know, all those guys had been through the wars in the ringer. You know, Scott Burrell was really the only other guy and Keith Booth that were kind of new to the team with me that year. So just learning how to be a pro and watching how Phil dealt, dealt with those guys and some of the things he does, you know, you, you take along with you and you try to try to use them and, and when you become a leader and a coach yourself. Did you watch The Last Dance when it came out? I did. It, it was fun. You know, I mean, I, you know, obviously I had to do a lot of interviews and stuff at the time as 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 a guy who was a, a bit part. Uh, it, people used, as it was coming out, people were like, hey, are you going to be in it? Are you going to be in it? I was like, well, listen, it depends on how much practice footage they show. <laughs> if they show practice footage, I'm going to be on there a lot. And uh, but it was fun, you know, because my kids, um, my kids, you know, I, I ran basketball camps and stuff. And so they knew, you know, I lived back in the area I grew up. And so they always heard about the Bulls and me and championship and all that kind of stuff. And, but I think then the hoopla that kind of came back around and when it came back out and then to see it and if then to sit down and watch it, and we watched every night, it's like fine, you know, where's Waldo and, and uh, they were finding me. So it was fun to relive it with them, you know, because at the time Riley um, who's passed since was my only child that was alive. Um, and he was a, you know, one and a half, two years old. So I think it was fun to get to re-experience it with them. What was what, what I enjoyed. Yeah, from a fan, it was fun to, to watch that and kind of relive that, relive that time as well. You mentioned, you know, Steve Kerr, some other guys. Is that who you kind of gravitated to when, when it came to working out and when it came to learning how to be a pro? You were kind of his fill-in. Is, is that kind of who you gravitated toward? Yeah, I mean, obviously you try to – I mean, that was the role I filled in, you know, uh, when, when he was out and um, was when I got to play my minutes when, when he was down for a while. And uh, uh, But, got obviously Keith Booth and I hung out a lot. Um and then uh, Scott Burrell being a new guy, um, you know, Randy Brown. Um, we used to play a lot of round robin one-on-one. Um, uh, but but I'm also kind of a loner too, you know. I mean, <laughs> just I wasn't, like I said, I'm not a going out kind of guy. So uh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the kind of guy that I loved per diem in the NBA because, you know, I pocketed that that money when I was not going out and spending it at the club and, and other places. And so um, – um, but but just getting to be along, like I said, along with those guys and, and John and Steve used to say, Rusty, listen, it's not like this anywhere else. I'm just telling you, it's not like this. Just the circus and the hoopla. Don't get used to this. It's just not like this anywhere else. I mean, you know, we would come into uh, in, into Washington, D.C. on a Wednesday night at 2 a.m. after a game and there'd be 300 people waiting on the bus, you know, and kids and you name it. And so just, you know, it just was just a different world to live in. How often do you wear that championship ring? When, when do you bring it around? You know, I, I've probably I never, you know, I, I just don't. I mean, I, I, I love it. And I got it in my trophy case and I pull it out occasionally for a speaking engagement here and there. And um, but but just, uh, you know, I, it's not that I'm not proud of it because I am, um, you know, uh, but, um, you know, my dad always tell me is what have you done for me lately? Right. You know, uh, it's all good and well. But what have you done for me lately? Well, that was 1998. You, you played basketball up until 2004 with the Bulls, a couple other teams, as you mentioned, the, the Jazz, Golden State Warriors as well. Um, you know, when and was it hard to come to that realization that, OK, it's time to hang it up. It's time to get to the next step in, in, in my journey here. Yeah, it's always hard. I, you know, obviously, I, like I told you, I was married when I started and um, I bounced around. I played eight years professionally, um, you know, went from the Bulls years and then the lockout. Unfortunately for me, the year after the championship was the lockout year. And so, you know, we, we I didn't really, I kind of had to scramble and sign a contract. I signed a, a partial guarantee with no guarantee the second year with, with Chicago, played that season, then got cut the second year, 
went again, went to the minor leagues in Idaho, got got a call up, got hurt, you know, ended up. And my kind of MO when I was playing was I would try, I always wanted to play in the NBA. You know, I look overseas was great. It's one of the reasons I chose to play basketball. You go over there and make good money. Um, but that I didn't see myself being a, a career overseas guy. Um, I would do it uh, if I if I if I didn't uh, get invited to an NBA camp. I felt good about. I went to Italy one year. Went to I played for. Uh, I pretty much made the Jazz. Got on the Jazz roster because I played at Seska Moscow with Andre Kirilenko, uh, and that's how I got invited to camp with Utah. And then got cut and then got caught up mid-year. And so when it came to the end, I started having a lot of injuries. You know, my my, my second to last year, I played in Italy. Um, I played in for Varese and um, went over there, cracked a rib in the first two weeks. Uh, got back from that, broke a hand, had to get two screws put in. Mm. Came back from that, rolled an ankle. Um, and so the next year, I said, you know what? I was going to be 30. I want to make an NBA team. I got invited to, to Celtics camp. Got to the last day of camp, got cut again. Um, I was literally thought I was gonna make it. They, I, they had, they cut everybody but me, and I was the 15th player. I told my wife, I called her, I said, I think it just made the, the Celtics roster. And uh, they traded me, uh, two guys for three players, um, and one of which was on the injured list. And called me in the next day and said, Hey, numbers game, we, we don't have room for you, you're gone. And realized I had rebroken my wrist, and so missed the first half of that season with a with a recovery on an injury. Finished out that season in the in the minor leagues with Joey Meyer and the Asheville Altitude. I got called up by 10 days by Eric Musselman in Golden State uh, that year and was having fascia problems with my feet. And so it kind of at 30, I kind of knew I wasn't wasn't, you know, I was going to have to, you know, I mean, I, I might get an NBA shot, but, you know, I could stay in the minor leagues and, and, and probably get called up some because I'm a serviceable guy who's, you know, going to make some jump shots, but, you know, had overseas offers still making six figures, but I just kind of got a call out of the blue from Greensboro college, which was in my, in my hometown right near Kernersville and said, Hey, we're looking for a head coach. And I just felt like that was where, you know, God was calling me to be. And, and um, going along with that, I had three kids at the time and my daughter, my fourth was going to be born on August 2nd. So I was going to take a look at my wife with, with, with three kids under the age of, of six and say, Hey, you're going to have to drag a toddler to 10 buck two, uh, or, you know, we're going to stay home and, 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 and stay here and, and, and be home with the baby. So I kind of felt like it was time and, and, you know, kind of never looked back. Um, you know, what, you know, hindsight, you think, man, I wish I would have maybe played a little longer or is, um, you know, um, maybe, maybe done something, um, maybe done another year or two overseas, just experience it. But, but, um, it was it was a, the time for me when I turned 30. I think my body was telling me. Yeah, I was going to say, did the injuries kind of make it easier in a sense to say, OK, my, my time has come now to, to move on to the next thing? Yeah, I, I mean, luckily for me, I never had like I, I say major. I mean, no knee, knees or anything. I mean, but I've got I've broken both wrists and fingers and, you know, it, it's a, it's a grind, man. I mean, you know, pro after pro. I put a lot of miles on my body in college and uh, with football and, and, and that and. Um, it, it's a grind. And so, especially with the travel and, and when you play in the minor leagues, it ain't, it ain't flying charter planes with, uh, five-star hotels, you know? So, um, that helped. And I just think getting the opportunity right close to home, uh, I had built a successful summer camp basketball Academy business that was, pay, that was helping pay the bills. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, I kind of felt like it was the right time. Yeah. So Greensboro college, uh, fourth five. <laughs> Uh, country day school. You were the, the AD and the head coach, assistant coach back here on the modern Wake Forest as well. And then uh, West Forsyth High School, Chris Paul's high school, you were the head coach as well. What's your takeaways there? And, and what was it like going back to, to Wake Forest as an assistant coach at the time? Yeah. So I did Greensboro for a year and then I got recruited to Forsyth Country Day School, mainly because of my basketball academy and, um, you know, did a little bit of everything there, did AD, got to head coach football, high school football for a while, which was awesome. Um, you know, and uh, coach basketball. And then when <clears throat> Pat Kelsey actually left Wake to take a head, uh, go back to um, uh, Xavier, I believe it was, or got it, I can't remember. No, it was uh, Chris Mack maybe uh, went to Xavier. Um, Dino brought me on his staff uh, there, and it was a, a great experience with him that year. You know, obviously he um, was let go at the end of the year, and, and and I was fortunate to get to stick on with, with Coach Vizdelic when he stayed. But – uh, it was tough. I mean, being at Mama Mara, I'll be honest with you, you know, I'm a competitor and we, we were we were not very successful um, 
you know, we made a run to the tournament uh, Ish Smith's senior year um, and beat Texas and then had to kind of, you know, rebuild under Coach Bizdelic and end up that staff got let go after after four years. And it was hard um, losing and, and just a lot of negativity around the program. I love being back at Wake, um, you know, places near and dear to me and the people there are, are amazing and um, and just uh, but it was hard in terms of losing there. Uh, but it was great to be back and, and to be a part of it. And uh, but as you know, you, you know, you probably taught some college coaches. College coaching is hard, man. Coaching in general is, yeah. is hard. It's getting harder and harder. The amount of hours you have to work and and, and what you do. And, and I'm not opposed to work. So the hours didn't bother me. But I, I don't love recruiting. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I just I'm a little old school and, um, you know, there's only so many, you know, you know what, so I'm going to kiss to, to, to tell you how good you are before I can just need to tell you the truth. Uh, but but um, I miss it, too. I'm, I'm, I do miss you miss the competitiveness of that level and you miss um, teaching the game. I really miss getting in the gym and teaching the game um, now that I'm away from it. But but uh, but it was fun. I mean, it, you know, I enjoyed my time there despite the losing. Um, but it was a hard time. Um, for, a, for when you're competitive, it's, it's hard losing. It's even worse when you're at your alma mater. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, and and for whatever reason, we just couldn't quite pull it together as, as well as we needed to. Yeah, I'm sure it was frustrating. Like you said, you, had, you did nothing but win during your time there as a player, trying to do that as a coach. And, and, and coaching is tough. College coaching, as you said, to, to be consistent is so hard from one year to the next, especially now with the, the transfer portal and everything else. Uh, get you out on this. I know you, you're kind of stepped away, I guess, from coaching right now. Tell us what you're doing and and how you're enjoying that part now of your journey in your life. Yeah, so I am a chief operations officer for a company called Dario. Um, we've got nine locations here in the Winston-Salem area. Uh, um, all you know, I kind of fell into it uh, when I when I left Wake. Um, I didn't get retained by the by Coach Manning staff. You know, I've always been an entrepreneur, kind of kind of knew I wanted to get in that. I was actually looking at Chick-fil-A franchises, looking at financial management, maybe getting doing basketball academy full time. Um, met the owner uh, with Dario and uh, um, he already had a location picked out in Kernersville, which is my hometown, which is going to be his fourth location. And so, hey, he said, hey, I want you to you know come in, learn the business. And I want that to be your store kind of as the owner of it. And um um, you know, just love the brand, love the business and, and um, you know, chance to be an entrepreneur. And, and uh, at the same time, got when I started that, um, I had a lot of basketball opportunities, but didn't want to move my family. My kids were high school age. I just didn't want to move them. Um, and so kind of the opportunity came along. And at the same time, the West Forsyth coaching job, um, you know, came along right after that. So it worked out well that I got to do both. And um, but but came on board with the brand and loved it, ran that location um, helped them open the one, our third location, then opened my location, the fourth one. And then three years ago, uh, they brought me on board as the chief operations officer at the corporate office. So, and since then we've opened three more locations. Um, so, um, we're busy, you know, we're high volume restaurant, fast casual, do a little bit of everything. And uh, I love it. I love getting to build teams. I still, I tell people all the time, somebody said, man, what are you going to do without sports? And, um, you know, coaching when I quit coaching at West, I quit coaching at West when I came on board to the corporate office. I said, man, it's the same for me. I said, you know, I'm still dealing with 16, 17, 18-year-old kids uh, <coughs> hiring in the store and uh, getting to build teams and um, do it do it in, a, in, in my own community and help build a brand and build a business that I, but I'm, that I love. And uh, I work with some phenomenal people across the board from top to bottom. So. Yeah, they always say that athletics and sports carries over beyond the playing field. It certainly has for you. I know one other thing. Uh, you did a farmhouse renovation as well. How, how did that go? And uh, was that yeah. a fun project? Frustrating it was. Project? Yeah, it was. You know, I, I'm a I'm a I'm a doer by nature, and I love projects. And uh, um, you know, we bought the farmhouse was actually a 16 acre old dairy farm. Um, used to be a 500 acre dairy farm. It was actually in foreclosure. It had been abandoned for like five years, and we bought it at the county courthouse steps and I was unemployed at the time. So it probably wasn't the smartest thing to do. Um, but it's been a fun project. You know, it, it, it kind of brought it back to its former glory. And uh, I, I, you know, detractor time is my therapy in the evening when I'm stressed. And it used to be getting in the gym and shooting jump shots. And I'm not as I'm not as spry as I used to. So now I get on the tractor and, and mow the fields when I need a little break. How can people follow you? Are you on social media? I know you do have a website. How can people follow Rusty LaRue? 
Yeah, so I'm on on um, uh, Twitter at Rusty underscore Larue, and uh, I think it's the same on on Instagram and uh, Facebook. And uh, I'm not on there a ton, but I try to stay stay relative, keep up with my kids and and what's going on. And Dario is at Eat Dario. Um, we have all our social media as well. So um, and we're we're expanding and growing. So um, you know, I, I love um, getting to talk sports still, and I you know I'm, I'm, I may get back into it at some point. I don't know if I'll do it on the coaching side or the business side of it, but uh, uh, but I miss the I do miss the competitiveness and uh, getting to getting to be, you know, getting to teach the game. I think you ask any player who, who's been there and done that at a high level. You miss the camaraderie. You miss the you miss the um, pitting yourself against somebody else and the, and, the, and the toiling and the sweat that goes along with it and the shared sacrifice of of winning some games. Yeah, as you said, you're a very competitive person. Well, I appreciate you talking some sports with us and yeah. uh, going down memory lane with us here and, and spending a little time with us. Rusty, can't thank you enough. And uh, nothing but the best for you uh, moving forward. Sounds good. And I know uh, my daughter's going to Elon to play college volleyball. So I'm sure we'll be making a trip to, to UNC Wilmington at some point down that way um, uh, and in, in that area. So uh, I'm excited for her. She, she's the last one we're getting out of the house. So. <laughs> Um, I'm looking forward to watching her be a, pro, be a college athlete as well. Well, congratulations on that, and best of luck with uh, being a, being the dad in the stands watching those games. Sounds good. Have a good one. All right. Thank you, Rusty. Thank you. Well, great stuff there from Rusty LaRue. We thank him for spending some time with us here today talking about his career and his life. Also, special thanks to the ACC Digital Network for the highlights you saw there in the Chicago History Twitter page for the picture of the championship Bulls team that he was a member of. We remind you, as always, if you like what you're seeing, if you like these guests and these interviews, subscribe to our YouTube page. It is free. It is easy. You won't miss another episode coming up. Again, that was episode number 26. Episode number 27 comes your way very soon. Stay with us. We'll have that for you in a little bit. For now, though, we thank you for joining us in the front row with Mike DeCaro. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>